Hello everyone, welcome back to the Queer Q, and today we'll be talking about Derek Jarman's Edward II. What are kings when regiment is gone, but perfect shadows in the sunshine day? I know not, but of this I am assured, that death ends all. Edward II is an adaptation of Christopher Marlowe's play Edward II that was written in 1592, detailing the terrible reign of the King of England in 1302 from 1327. And so I'm going to give you a quick background of the history of King Edward. So he was considered one of the most worst English monarchs of the time. And he was disposed by his wife, Queen Isabella, who's played by Tilda Swinton in the film. And much of his reign was fraught with powerful barons that disapproved of his reign and his relationship with his favorite, Piers Gaveston whom Edward dubbed the Earl of Cornwall. Because Gaveston was only a knight and he was given a royal title that was promised to other English son of monarchs, this really upset a lot of noblemen and Englishmen um, during this time. So this great opposition from English earls led a coup against Edward and executed Gaveston in 1312. Edward was basically opposed in his own realm. He was dealing with civil wars, failed, failed battles in Scotland, and his reign ceased with the final blow from his wife Isabella's alliance with Roger Mortimer. Edward was abdicated from the throne in 1327, where his son Edward III was anointed in his place. He was said to be brutally murdered with a red-hot poker that was plunged into his anus. However, some believe that his death was a stage, and Edward II died much later. But that is a historian's debate which we are not going to touch. So, Nick, how did you like the film? So, definitely enjoyed Edward II. It was um, one of my favorite anachronistic historical films. Um, that's what how I'm going to define it. But I think that it's it's really important that there were these anachronisms in style with the different type of costuming, and there's a lot of different prop elements that are anachronistic. Um, so they felt very prescient and important to include to make it more of an anachronistic film. So um, there were a lot of things that I felt were different than the actual historical portrayal. However, I think that they were entirely necessary. But I, I personally enjoyed the film. I thought it was something that was a reclamation of this historical figure bringing a uh, a much more focused queer identity to Edward II and Pierce Gaveston. I, I really liked how the film took a revisionist ending to Edward II's story. So I definitely want to hear more about what you thought of the anachronisms in the revisionist tape. Well, I really, I did enjoy Edward II. I also appreciated I never read Christopher Marlowe's um, play, but I can definitely see the poetics in it. And I appreciate that Jarman kept the poetics, but also messed around with it. And you can see it on the beginning scene where Gaveston was like, fuck him. And I'm like, oh, did they say fuck him back in like 13, 1302? <laughs> <Probably> <laughs> you <not>. know, like, <laughs> so like, I, I enjoyed that. I definitely enjoyed that. Um, I did think it was a bit gratuitous with some scenes. Mm-hmm. Um a fair warning to viewers that this film contains a lot of graphic scenes, um, brutal brutalization and torture that might be triggering 
to some. Um, so that's a fair warning if you do choose to watch this and, and when we'll be discussing it further. Um, even though, like, there's, for instance, the hot poker scene, that really kind of unsettled me. But I think that was the point that Jarman was trying to make. I really did appreciate that he was trying to push the homophobia and violence and the repression um, that that gays and lesbians and the queer community face. And it's, it, I think that's what the whole point of the anachronism was mm-hmm. um, in this film, was to show that even back in 1302 with King Edward and Gaveston, this, this kind of hazing, this violence and this um, homophobia is still relevant it still exists today and that's why that's what i really appreciate what jarman was trying to do with anachronism even though like personally i i never like when they put anachronisms in historical pieces because that's just a personal preference to me but i but i appreciate i i knew that jarman wasn't doing it just to do it he had motive behind it and Mm -hmm. i i'm behind that motive yeah i completely agree you know it, it it definitely felt like the whole film was about how we've faced homophobia, the queer community has faced homophobia for centuries. And, you know, there's obviously a reason behind why it was a red hot poker that was reported in history of how Edward II Mm -hmm. may have died and why it was used in this film. And it's because, you know, it's a phallic object and how it was used to kill Edward II is obviously has a homosexual connotation and it Mm -hmm. was um, related to a sodomite in life is being killed as a sodomite in hell and um, Mm -hmm. i think that was that really stays with you watching that scene even though it is extremely violent to watch and um, should we explain how the film ends should we go there now um Let's talk about um, more of the stuff in the middle and like maybe like Gaveston's role a bit more and like how he was portrayed. Um, Like in general, how did you feel about Gaveston and like um, his relationship with Edward? Yeah. So what I really like about this, and I think it really follows with a lot of the other new queer cinema characters that we've discussed throughout the previous episodes is that Gaveston and Edward II, they're not likable characters you know we feel for them because of the the homophobia and hate that they receive from the other characters but they're they're not entirely likable characters gaveston is in this type of relationship very much akin to um the favorite when i think of gaveston i think of emma stone both have red hair and they're both scheming and mm-hmm. gaveston you know i'm not sure exactly how much love was in that relationship it it definitely felt like Edward II really loved Gaveston. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of um, his his actions with um, being neglectful to his country occurred after Gaveston's death. And you could tell that he was in serious mourning, serious hatred to the people who took him away from him. And so I, I really felt like Edward II had this deep love for Gaveston, obviously, but you know, Gaveston was using that position to further himself and further his own rise in power. So, you know, he's not, he's not a very likable character. And I think that scene with Isabella, even though we really do not like Isabella, you know, I think that it really, it really muddies 
the type of um, the type of sympathy that we have towards his character. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely agree. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know these characters—they're not likable, but they're not supposed to be. It's like with the other characters that we've seen, you know, they're flawed queer characters, and you know, it's definitely something that breaks away from that type of angelic martyr portrayal of queer characters that mm-hmm. had to be done in the 80s. So I, I really like that we have these really flesh and blood queer characters. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was a single likable character in that film. No, yeah. <laughs> um, another thing, another thing that came up before his death was the introduction of Annie Lennox. Now, what did you think of that Oh, scene? yeah. I mean, it, it was sweet. I just, again, to me, I didn't, I didn't care for it as much. I like the song. I like the rendition. But I didn't necessarily cared for that montage sequence. That's my personal feelings for it. Yeah, as much as I really enjoyed the anachronism, it was a little jarring to just see Annie Lennox playing herself, just like singing. I love, I love that Cole Porter song. There's been so many renditions, and I really love that. You know, I, I thought it definitely fit the emotion in that scene, even though it was. Mm-hmm. It, it totally took me out. I'm like, okay, so we're, we have a little bit of a music video going on here. I really like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it just definitely ties the themes back into the 90s because Annie Lennox was huge at the time. So Mm -hmm. it it makes sense. And she had just recorded that song, that version of that song for In Hate's Benefit. So, you know, it it makes Mm -hmm. sense, even though it it, it took us out a little bit. This is, out of all the other anachronism, this one was just a little bit, to me, just a little bit out there. It felt like we were giving, we were given like a little sneak peek to Annie Lennox, like music video. Yeah, yeah. It's like Derek German loves Annie Lennox. We get it. Yeah. By the way, the name of the group that played the the protesters was Outrage. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think in the film, that's where we get the scene of like um, punk style um, gays, like with their signs up and starting revolution. That was right after Gaveston died, correct? Yeah, they're depicted um, as Edward supporters and they're played by real life gay rights protesters and that was the um london equivalent of act up and um i really i really liked that scene with them after gavison's death and then at the end of the film that was completely outside of the narrative i thought that was a really great way to end the movie but i really liked that you know there was this type of revisionist take with the ending because um, it turned out to be a fantasy sequence, a nightmare for Edward II of how he imagined how he was going to be executed. But how it actually ends is the executioner who was coming to kill him decides not to kill him, kisses him, and he's able to escape. And so he's able to live his life outside of British rule. And his son basically usurps Queen Isabella and leaves Tilda Swinton and her lover in a cage while he dances on looking very genderqueer 
love to see it. What's interesting is like he's listening to a Walkman, and then I think um, yeah. Shafowski's dancing Sugar Plum Fairy is playing, and I, uh-huh. I, I think that's why like um, Roger Mortimer and Queen Isabella they're all like covered in powder. Uh, that's what I was mm-hmm. getting from it. Yeah. And that definitely felt like, like, as soon as that fantasy sequence ended, where, you know, typically, if we're going to do a historical retelling of Edward II's reign, it would just end with him getting killed with that red hot poker. But then we have this whole revisions tape on, a, you know, quote, unquote, happy ending for Edward II. And it's like everything after that red hot poker scene is so anachronistic. It's most anachronistic other than that Amy Lennox scene. It, it felt necessary for German to have it be played up as going into the 90s. There's something that's so tangi- tangible about, you know, taking a historical figure and really exploring homophobia as experienced in the 80s and 90s. Agreed. To me, like, it was how Swoon brought the queer aspect of those two characters in history to the forefront that um, the other adaptations completely forgot or sanitized because they didn't want to include it. And I think Edward II really does the same thing because, you know, you'll get a lot of historians who said, oh, they were just brothers. They were just really good friends. Um, That's it. They didn't, they were not lovers. And it's like, how can you say that when he, Basically, he was heartbroken over um, Gaveston not being with him, that he brought him back from exile immediately after his father died. And the fact that there's accounts of, you know, the possibility that he was killed by a hot poker, you know, like you can't deny that there is a queer element here. And yet over and over history and, you know, more conservative filmmakers trying to get into the mainstream sanitize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the truth right there. Um, and when we're looking at these new cinema films, and specifically Ever the Second, which we love because it doesn't sanitize the queerness of Ever the Second and these characters, you know, and we get it immediately with the first scene with Edward and Gaveston and the the gay sailor couple. And it's such an explicit scene of gay sexuality that it was so important to include right at the forefront because it's showing that yes, this film will show the queerness that has been sanitized in history. Um, and it's something that, you know, we see in a lot of new queer cinema films. This this desire to not sanitize and and that's why we love new queer cinema films because they give an unflinching look at queerdom and you know that's why we're happy with how edward the second depicted edward the second and just new queer cinema being able to really show that sanitization in history and how it's depicted in cinema is truly a disservice to an audience and to all people watching. So that wraps up our episode on Derek Jarman's transgressive new queer cinema film, Edward II. 
Jarman's revisionist take on King Edward II and his relationship with Piers Gavinson reclaimed queerness that has been repeatedly sanitized throughout history. New queer cinema is brought to an artistic height with Edward II and we'll be pleased to further push this artistic lens in our next episode where we'll be talking about Gus von Sant's My Own Private Idaho. Thanks for listening and stay safe, wear a mask, go vote, and stay queer. 